Hi, and welcome to the River of Light Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Here in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus is giving us another insight about what it means to be a disciple uh, a follower of Jesus Christ, chapter 9 of Matthew. Say amen if you're there. Say wait on me if you're not. Amen. Chapter 9. If the lights could go up just a little bit more so we can see. We like the lights down during worship. Kind of keeps the temperature nice and cool. And it also helps us to be intimate a little bit more, less distractions. But now it's word time. So many of you got screens that are brighter anyway. So amen. But Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Then Jesus went about all the cities... Didn't leave none of them out. And villages teaching at their synagogues and preaching. He was teaching and preaching. I mean, know you need teaching and preaching. Colossians chapter 2 says we need teaching and preaching to establish you. Preaching blows you up to where you need to be. Hallelujah. Teaching establishes you. I love to do both. We normally do more of a teaching format on Wednesdays and preaching on Sundays. But we never know. Life groups are here, so we're, that's our teaching you need both. Amen. Somebody say, I need both. He went around doing both and, and healing every sickness, every disease among the people. When he saw the people, the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Look at that. I underline that. Moved with compassion for them because they were weary. They were tired. They were beaten down. They were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. He looked at his disciples. Jesus always gave a teachable moment. He looked at the situation. He turned and he looked at his disciples and he said, watch this. Truly the harvest is plentiful. The need is plenty. But the workers, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send out laborers into his harvest. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave him power. If I say power. We learned last week that word means authority. He gave them the authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal the sickness and all kinds of diseases. Then he gives us the names of the twelve. Verse 4 tells us one of them was Simon the Canaanite, which was a Canaanite, used to be the enemy. That's who the Canaanites, when Joshua came and tried to drive them out of Israel, the Canaanites were in the land. So he's a descendant of a people who used to be enemies of God. Now he's a follower of God. Isn't that some good news? It don't matter your family background. You can be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And then, of course, he had Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him. This Judas just didn't make it. He wouldn't, he wouldn't follow God. Verse 5, then the twelve Jesus sent out and he commanded them. Everybody say that, commanded. See that, commanded them. Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, but go to the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of Israel first. As you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you've given, you've received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver or copper in your money belts, nor a bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals or nothing extra. For a worker is worthy of his food. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who is in it, who is worthy. And stay there till you go out. And when you go into a household, greet it. If the household is worthy, it's interesting, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words, when you depart from the house or the city, shake off the dust from your feet. Shake it off. Certainly, I say to you, it will be more tolerable in the land of Sodom and in Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. We've been talking about being with him, becoming like him. And today I want to talk about working for him. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for your spirit that is here so powerfully. Holy Spirit, thank you. I pray, God, you continue to move in our time this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell a couple people it's time to go to work for him. Time to go to work for him. Time to go to work for him. A disciple. A disciple simply means a discipled, uh, a disciplined one. Uh, and whatever you are as an occupation, if you are a follower of Christ, uh, you and I have got to learn to implement 
disciplines in your life. That's what a disciple does. I don't care if you're a housewife, a career woman, a contractor, a CEO, a truck driver. If you are a follower of Christ, that um, supersedes your career. It supersedes uh, anything. It's the number one cause and the number one purpose of your life is to be a disciple of Christ. And so you need to implement uh Disciple disciplines in your life because, as I said a couple of weeks ago, sometimes we don't need deliverance, we just need discipline. I think we need both. I think you need a supernatural uh, deliverance, but then there's also disciplines you got to put in place after God sets you free. How many know you can go right back to the old pig pen after God sets you free? How many know you can go right back to the old world? The world's still there, it's all around you. Just because you got saved don't mean the whole world got saved. I mean, that's, that's a sad reality, but I can right now get into my car and go right over to Southwest Detroit, any course, on Visicar. I can buy me some drugs. I can buy me a 40. I can go right to someone's house because they're still there, knock on their door, sit on their porch, and get stoned out of my mind and just be right there with them. How I many know I can do that? That I wake you up. This is 1130. We done had a move of the Holy Ghost. I done preached this twice, so you got to get with it. Amen. You should have done had a nap because this is 1130 group. You done been up and had a nap, ain't you? Amen. I'm just being real with you. Here's my point. I got to decide that I'm going to be a disciple of Christ every single day just like you do. You got to make a decision. Write this down. Your destiny begins with your decision. That's all there is. It ain't nothing mystical. Ain't nothing spiritual. It's a decision that you got to make to follow Jesus. If we do not become a disciple of Christ, this is why we're preaching discipleship in the summertime. If we don't become a disciple of Christ and sell out to God, you know what's going to happen? We will become lukewarm. Why you preach like that, Pastor Eddie? Why are you so passionate? Because this is why. I will become lukewarm. I will become worldly. The desires of the world, I, I will love the world more than I love God, and I'll, be, or, and I'll become a hypocrite. That's what happens. That's what the Pharisees did. All because they, that's what Judas did. Judas was right there. You read his name? He was casting off devils. He was doing miracles. But he ended up betraying Jesus. Why? Because he did not continue to spend time with Jesus and to follow him. Jesus then begins to talk about what does it mean to work for him. What does it mean to be a, what do you need to be a laborer? You know, what skill set do you have to have? You're applying for a job. You, you know, you got to first learn what skill set do I need for that job? And most jobs will train you. And let me just tell you that as a pastor, Jesus Christ wants to have you work in the kingdom of God. And guess what? We will train you for the job. God will train you for the job. He will train you to be a worker. I wasn't always a pastor. My plan was not to do what I'm doing right here. But I know God has a different plan than we have. And so you just surrender your life to Jesus and everything else just begins to fall in place. It's amazing how that is. But Jesus tells us in chapter 10 what a laborer needs. He begins to go, and if I can just unpack this and, and exegete the text, if I will, just one verse at a time, it's simply laid out what Jesus is telling us. He's the, he's the model. He's the example. I will give you to these real quick. He's, he's telling us, number one, that it must start with the cause. I want you to write this down. A little bit of a teaching right here real quick, but i got to get this into you. I love, I love being able to uh, preach the Word of God. I've been having this urgency in my spirit here. I don't know because I'm getting older, uh, but I don't know what it is, but I'm really becoming more and more passionate about making disciples. I'm, uh, I'm doing two life groups this summer. I'm doing one just for some of our young men in the church, something I've been waiting for the church to kind of slow down, and then I was going to do this, but the, what I mean by slow down, I mean not so busy. I don't want the church ever to stop growing. That's not what my point is, but I'm, I've learned that you never are going to slow down. You're never going to have time. You've got to make time. That's a good word for somebody. And so we're going to be doing that and then have another life group at the house on Tuesdays. And hopefully you get into a life group. you got to get discipled and learn. When you become a Christian, you and I are like a newborn baby. You are a baby. You can't leave a baby out in the yard, can you? You can't, you can't abandon a baby. will die. It needs to be nurtured. It needs to be loved. It needs to be cared. It needs to be disciplined. Don't get quiet on me. Amen. Same way, guess what? You need the same thing. You, we need all of that. Jesus begins to show us what we need. Number one would be the cause. Every, every laborer, every worker for Christ, you got to get the cause. Everybody say the cause. 
he says, I want you to go only to the house of Israel first. I get it, you got to notice this. It's only in the beginning of his ministry that he came to the Jewish people first. Why? Because he was Jew. And the Bible prophesied that the Messiah would come to the house of Israel. So he had to come to his own, and his own received him not for him to go to the Gentiles. He had to do that first because the Jews were the first selected by God. That God by the way, why did God choose the Jewish people? Why not? You know, Ethiopians or Europeans or Asians, why did he choose the Jewish people? Your Bible says in Deuteronomy, God chose them because they were the smallest of the people group on planet Earth. God always goes for the underdog. God always goes for the person statistically that is not supposed to make it because he likes to get all the glory when they do make it. Come on, somebody. And so he said, I'm going to take the smallest people group and I'm going to make them uh, the greatest people that I'm going to give them my covenant and all of this. So he had to come. That's the cause. Here's what I've noticed. Every single person deep down has two things about us, if we're honest. One, we've got a desire to be a part of something bigger than us. We want to give ourselves for a cause, a purpose. A mission. We want to make a difference. Anybody know what I'm saying? We want to be able to look back and say, man, I mattered. And when you get older, that really starts to ramp up. You start to say, hey, you know, it's not about having the coolest shoes and this and that. You start realizing, I want to make a difference in planet Earth. It will begin to click in our lives as we get older. Well, we want a mission. We want to belong to someone. We want a cause. And number two, we want someone to share it with. Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ, and the message of Jesus Christ is that purpose. It fulfills that purpose. It's exactly what the cause is supposed to do. That is exactly what we are supposed to do as Christians. What is the cause, Pastor Eddie? What do I need to, to really get the cause? Because you can't learn the cause. It's not, about, it's not a formula of information. It's something you catch. It is something you get on the inside of you, the cause. And here's our cause, church, eternity. Everybody say eternity. Do you know that there is a real heaven and there is a real hell? Hell. It is in your Bible. It is happening right now. Cedar Point is going on right now. I can almost hear him screaming. I'm the millennial falcon. By the way, I ain't been to Cedar Point in two years, so I made up for it Friday. I jumped out of a 14,500-foot plane. Amen. You're going to hear about that next week because I'm going to fit that into my message. you got to come back for that. And Anyway, so I, I, that's why did I do it because I ain't been to Cedar Point in two years, so I made up for it and just jumped. Amen. Anyway, uh, just because we're not at Cedar Point, I mean, it ain't happening. Heaven and hell is real. I want you to get this today. It is real. I just lost... Uh, one of our, my uncles, my dad's brother, we've been talking about him lately. Uncle Billy went home to be with the Lord. This man, been in Jackson Penitentiary, was a rough dude. All Markham boys, all eight of them needed Jesus. All four, there's 12 of them. They didn't have kids back in them days. Dad said they had litters. <laughs> and before gangs were around down south, it was families. You know, you want to mess with the Bloods? Well, don't mess with the Markhams. Don't mess with the Pattersons. Don't mess with the Hatfield and McCoys. Anybody know what them are? The families were, were, were what you had to deal with back in the day. My, the Markhams were, were all crazy. They needed Jesus. One uncle, one person turned their life over to Jesus and got on fire for God. Your Bible says that God only needs one person in the family. It says that. One person to bring him out. You may be that very person. You may be the only person sitting in church today out of your whole family. I want you to know you ought to feel honored that God chose you for such a time as this to change the trajectory of your family. I'm in church today because of my Uncle Billy drove in 1970, what? 77? 78. 78 to Detroit, Michigan and won my dad to the Lord and changed our whole family. He went to go be with the Lord. But here's the point I wanted to bring up. As he was dying, this was his words. He says, they are bringing me my new body. He looked and he said, I see two men. He said, I can't tell if they're two men or two women. But they're big and they're bringing my new body. You can't make that up. And his, he, that was the day he died. The hours before he passed, his words was, they brought my new body. He went out of this life. Your Bible says that we get a new body and a new name. So if you don't like your name or your body, guess what? You get a 
uh, upgrade. My Uncle Chuck. I'm just proving, trying to convince you. That's what a pastor, a preacher does. We per, I'm trying to persuade you there is a heaven and a hell. My Uncle Chuck Patterson died on my grandma's birthday. His mom, on her birthday. She's next to him on the bed. He looked over and he said, Mama, I love you. Happy birthday, but Jesus is here to get me. He breathed his last breath. You cannot make this. I'm telling you, there is a heaven and there is a hell. If you and I would really, really believe that, accept that, it would change the way you live your life. Hear this. Hear me today. It would change the way you live your life. It would change the way you raise your kids. It would change the way you manage your money, your time, your talents. If you will get a hold of this first point, the cause, there's a cause. There's a reason why I do this. The reason why we have missionettes, girls or girls ministry, and Royal Rangers. This is why we do what we do. This is why the kids at youth camp took up money to help make a difference in, in another country, in Ethiopia or something. The cause. Have you got the cause yet? Have you got it down in your soul that, man, this is, there's more to life than just this. There is more to life than just this. And someone say, hallelujah to that. Amen. There is more to life than this. Eternity is what I'm trying to get us a hold of. Tony Evans put this out on Twitter uh, just yesterday, and I love that. He said, our lack of passion for the lost is reflective of a lack of love for the Lord. Say amen or ouch. Look at that. In other words... The more time we spend with God, now this is scripture, this isn't Twitter, this is scripture. The more time we spend with God, what he loves, we love. Because we become what we worship. What you spend more time on Instagram and social media, following Kim Kardashian, what is this? Kim Kardashian has disciples. Her sister now has disciples. We want to be like them, look like them, act like them, walk like them. I don't, I hope none of the fellas do. But anyway, some of you might. We just... That kind of day, that kind of world we're living in. Love Kim Kardashian, her and Kanye. I hope they, you know, go on and get saved, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they need Jesus. He's got his own church. Y'all follow these guys? Hollywood just keeps putting them out. Have you found that out? They just keep putting them out. Back in my day, it was Linda Carter. Linda Carter was the original Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Y'all remember Wonder Woman? Okay, that was my day. Some of y'all knew Farrah Fawcett, okay? I don't know how, every generation has these beautiful people that we, we put up, and we've got something in our nature that wants to worship something greater than us. That's why the number one commandment God said is don't make any images before, don't worship any false God, because you have a natural propensity to worship something. It's natural to do that. You, well, God put that in us. What's it for? To worship the one true God. And when you finally connect with him, then you can look at Instagram and say, oh, that's pretty eyeliner, that's pretty makeup that she's got out, but that, I'm not going to worship the girl. I pray for her soul. I'm not judging her. I pray for her soul just like I pray for my neighbor. Just like I pray for everyone. It, 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 as you, you, you begin to become whatever we worship. It's the cause. Everybody say the cause. The cause. Then Jesus begins to come. I could spend all day on all of these. They're so good. Then he begins in verse 9. He tells them, provide neither gold nor silver nor money belts. Don't take extra cloaks with you. What's he saying? He's saying trust him. So what do you need to trust him? Courage. Courage. My courage was tested Friday when I jumped out of that plane. Let me tell you something. Trust, you are falling 130 miles an hour from 14,500 feet. Okay, you got to trust the dude behind you and that that chute's going to open. And I prayed before we went. I said, God, I'm not tempting you. I'm not testing you. I am enjoying your nature. This is what I've always wanted to do. This is rapture practice. Hey, I, I, I am just getting ready to meet you because the Lord said, we're going to meet him in the air. That's what your Bible says. I, I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. When that shoot opened, I begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. He started cracking up. The dude behind me, he was like, ha, ha. I said, it's not that funny because if we hit the ground, I'm going up. I said, without a parachute, I'm hitting, I go right back up. You think about bungee jumping, I'm, where are you going, brother? That's what I'm saying, you know, we had this time. He was like, ha, 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 you're so funny. I'm like, ah, I'm saved. 
just telling you. But it's still, it, it, it took courage. It took courage. A little bit of, there's a fine line between courage and insanity. I don't know what that line is, but, you know, hey, I wanted to, wanted to do it. You only live once? No, you actually live twice. And for the believer, for the believer, for the disciple, let me tell you something. This is the worst it's ever going to get for you and I. But for the unbeliever, this is the best it's ever going to get for you. I want to get us back and sober you up a little bit about eternity. This is the worst. You're having a bad day. You're having a bad life. Your family's falling apart. You're going, guess what? This is the worst you're going to deal with, honey, for an eternity. But if you're not a disciple of Christ, it's the best you got, baby. Go jump out of everything. Buy everything. Get the biggest car, fanciest car. Get more, 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 all you got. Because when it's over, it's over. You know, the Greeks in the ancient world would never write an obituary. They had one question they would ask a person when he died. Did they have passion? And we all have passion. I want you to have a passion for the things of God. I have never been so happy in my life these 22 years of serving the Lord. I've had my ups and my downs, my doubts, my struggles. It's not a cakewalk. But I wouldn't take nothing for my destiny, my, my journey now, because I know my best day here is the worst day I'm ever going to experience, ever, period. Move on. Because heaven is where we're going, but it takes courage to follow the Lord. I want you to see how this goes. David and Goliath, the story shows us about how this, this cause and courage happens. David was a young man, 17 years old, and he went down to the battlefield to hand out some sandwiches. And while he's down there handing out sandwiches, the Bible says the giant, Goliath, was sitting there just mocking and making fun of the church, making fun of Christians. What are you guys doing? Where is your God? And he's just mocking them. And little David is just down there handing out these sandwiches. He's 17 years old. And he's going, what y'all do just standing around letting this one dude scare you like this? And, he's, and, and, and that's what Jesus is doing to his disciples. He says, hey, you've been spending time with me, but don't be intimidated by the world. Go out there in the world and let your light shine. Go out there and live for me. It takes courage to live for God today. It takes courage to work for God today. It takes courage to open your, your mouth and to, and to say to someone, hey, you're confused about your sexuality or, or who told you that you should have been a boy? Who told you that you should have been a girl? Because now we're believing the lie that if you disagree with me, you hate me. And so now it's causing the church who's got the answer to be silent and to be silent. I'm telling you, we're called to, to love everybody but not to agree with everybody. But you've got to have courage to speak up and say, hey, you have been wonderfully made just the way you are in the eyes of God. And he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You don't got to change your body. Change your mind. Change your heart. Oh, what about this? Who told you that life would be better if you took your own life? We got an epidemic today of suicide that's taking our young people out. You got to have a little courage and step in there and say, honey, the last breath here is going to be your first breath until the great, the great I am. You're going to stand right in front of the creator who made you. Are you ready to stand before him having taken your own life? Baby, there's more than what you're seeing. It takes courage to speak that. It takes courage. You just, oh, this, this world today, God's called us to have courage. But we so many are like the children of Israel just standing back like one giant, one big mouth out there. And Goliath would come out, the Bible says, every day at a certain time and would mock them. Israel was the toughest army on the planet, the toughest military. And one dude's out there saying, where you at, Christians? Come on, where you at? You want me to be married to one man and one woman? Your divorce is 50%. Where you at? Show me how to do it. You yell at me for getting high and getting drunk, but you show me the peace of God that you've got claiming that you've got. Come on, 1130. See how I did that? Be real. That's what Jesus, that's why they crucified Jesus. That's why, that's why they got beheaded John the Baptist. That's why they beheaded Paul. Because he went into churches and he said, wake up. Do what God's called you to do. Open your heart to God. It takes courage to live for God. It took courage for me at 25 years old to not go to the parties on Friday night. It, was a, it took courage for me 
putting little clothes from the dollar store and from the Salvation Army onto my little girls and walk into church intimidated, driving a car, leaking oil, passing by these beautiful cars in the parking lot, had warrants for my arrest. I was all messed up, all crazy, walking in there, didn't know what I was doing. I was intimidated. I was afraid, but I had courage. And God said, just come in a little bit more, Eddie, because you don't even know it. I'm going to make you a preacher or a pastor. You're going to have a great family. I'm going to put your family back together, your life back together. And he don't love me more than he loves you. He's got the same thing for everybody here. Yeah. David's out there handing out sandwiches, and he goes, who? They, they talk, he's talking about my God. My God that helped me defeat a lion and a bear when nobody was watching. See, God's been doing so many great things over all these years. We just haven't had Instagram to show you. God's been doing miracles. We've been here, I've been here preaching and ministering, and this one guy told me, he said, man, I've been to your church. we got so many people who want to preach at our church, by the way, lined up. Man, I'd love to come to your church. I visited. One guy told me, because I, I do have some guest speakers coming in this year. You guys are killing me. No. <laughs> and he goes, man, it's an honor to preach to your, first thing he said, to your congregation. He said, I haven't had a, a, a congregation so receptive like that in my whole life. He said, man, you just say amen, and your people get all excited. I said, it's the presence of God there. And that, we're not the only church. There's been a healthy church values the presence of God. This is point number two, and I got four of these bad boys. David's handing out sandwiches, and look what he says. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? Okay, now, uncircumcised, you gotta, this is 4,000 years ago. That's really not a put down today. What'd you call me? You know, we really wouldn't get it. In their day, in their day, it was it was like saying jive turkey. It was like saying heathen. I said earlier, pray for Tyler. He's never heard the word jive turkey. We were having this discussion the other day. I said, brother, you ain't never watched good times. <laughs> Temporary layoffs. Easy credit ripoffs. Y'all remember that? Da, 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 he got him. Good times. You know what I'm talking about? So another word for uncircumcised. Today, he would say heathen or jive. Tur heathen, heathen. Remember Aunt Esther from Fred? Fred Sanford and Son? Here we go, Elizabeth. This is a big one. Am I remember that? Come on, y'all know. 930 knew. I didn't go this far, but y'all know what I'm talking about. Esther had the purse. You heathen, big dummy. She called him a heathen. A heathen means you... We're not a follower of God, okay? So it would be like today, David saying, who is this heathen out here? Who is this, I don't even know, who is this jerk face? I don't know, whatever, who, who denies God. You get it. Don't get lost in that word on surface. Who defy the armies of God, then watch this. This is a 17-year-old boy. Is there not a cause? He goes, who are all these people on CNN and Fox News, MSNBC, all the Nate night, late night talk show hosts, all these people mocking my God. Is there not a cause that we don't have to bash them, but at least have some courage and stand up and take down? There's giants in our culture. In case you don't know, God put the Holy Spirit in you not to blend with culture, but to change culture. That's why he's given you power. That's what he's given us for. We are to be pace setters. We are to be people that say, hey, this is how you are to have a marriage. Yeah, we ain't perfect. We've been to divorce court three times, but hey, we made it. You got to learn how to, how to stick through it and make it work. And I know there are innocent people that are in divorce, and divorce does happen, and it doesn't make you a second-class citizen, by the way. There is healing there for you. But the point is this, is that David heard, he said, is there not a cause? Now watch this. Now that he has the cause, look at the courage. Then David said to king, he's talking to the king. Let no man's heart fail because of, the, of Goliath. For your servant, 17-year-old boy, no military experience. Um, but I'm going to go and I'm going to defeat this Philistine. Courage. That's what Jesus is saying, man. Trust me to go and make a difference in your culture. Parents, trust God that the seeds you have sown into your kids, that it will come to pass. You know how many times my mom and dad prayed for me that I'd get saved? And the more they prayed for me, the worse I seemed to get. I'm telling you. 
It's just you gotta, you got to trust in him to have courage. Next one is compassion. you got to see this. In verse 35, Jesus is our example in this story. He starts off by showing us himself and with compassion. you got to have courage, but you got to have compassion. And this is where the church really has missed and done more damage, I think, than good in, in a lot of times. You have people... There's no compassion. But look look how you have compassion. Verse 35. And Jesus, what? Seeing the people. He was moved with compassion. Seeing the people. How do you see those people? Those people. Who are those people anyway? Jesus would sit down and he would eat with sinners. Some of us don't even know sinners. Seriously. we, we, We wouldn't be caught dead with some of these people. These people, we say, in the church world. That's one of our biggest problems. We we got to say, hey, we got to learn to get out of these four walls. It's never in the Bible for us to come together and have a Pentecostal picnic here and to just have hoop and holler and and just go out here and not impact culture. That is is a worse sin than there is ever in in the human history of mankind. It's for us to give us the power of the Holy Spirit and we don't walk in that power and don't demonstrate that power in a changed life. So fire to to stay. Come on, today. I was gonna say this morning, afternoon, whatever time it is. Take courage, but you gotta you gotta see the compassion. Jesus, when you begin to see the people, it's one thing that to feel for people, okay? That's not compassion, that's empathy. Compassion is when you don't just feel it, you want to do something about it. He, he, would, he would see the people and he would be moved. And look how he's seen the people. He saw them as scattered and as distressed and beat down and broken and hurt. Religion is, religion is looking down on people. But Christianity is willing to rescue people. I love that. You know, we've, we've come across people that, that become religion. The church has had a bad rap for this for many years. I remember being a kid, and my mom and I were just talking about this the other, the other day, and I brought this kid, man, and these two kids, they were brothers. I hung out with them, and it took me forever to get them to come to church. They never would come to church. I finally, their mom said, okay, you go to church, and I finally got I stood up there probably for two hours while their mom was trying to pick out nice clothes, and I'm telling them, you don't have to wear nice clothes Okay, this was in the early 80s. I ain't lying. They came out and they had belt, white polyester bell bottoms. One of them did. Huge bells. I mean, ding-dong bells. And had a blue silk collar. I don't know where they got these clothes. This was, they wasn't even in style then. This was in the 80s. We were, we were wearing Bermuda shorts and parachute pants and cardboards and breakdancing. Come on, some. Anyway, these kids came out. That was mom trying her best, though, to make her kids look presentable. So I, I said, you know, they don't have, no one wears that anyway. But you don't have to wear that. I want my kids to look good. I, I took forever to get them to come to church. I brought them into church. Church just started. They're all standing. I walked in, and all of a sudden, I sat down, and I, I just have one of the brothers with me. I said, where's Tony? And uh, Tony said, that lady back there has got him. She won't let him in because he's got an earring in his ear. And I said, What? I turned around, and this lady had him at the door. You ain't around. Look at you dressed all worldly. And she's going, and Tony's never been to church in his life. And he's standing there going, well, I just got, he left. Man, I told my dad he wanted to stop the whole service. And you know what makes it so bad? That lady ain't even in church today. That's that religious spirit. Let me bring it in today. Oh, you're a Democrat? Oh, you're, you're voting for Bernie? This is how you look, too, when you're religious. That's an NIV and not a King James 1611. Oh, hallelujah. You mean you're going to get rid of pews and put chairs in here? Yeah, baby, and we're going to dance. I'll run over these pews in a minute. Don't get me going. I want you to know that... When, when they tried to do that with David, David said, Honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'm going to dance before the Lord. I'm going to take this religious garment off. I'm going to shout. I'm going to lift my voice. I'm going to spin around. I'm going to jump. I'm going to shout. I'm going to get excited because he saved me. He loves me. He's got a reason for me to be here. It ain't about how you look. Come on. That's church. That's not religion. That's living for God, man. That's living out loud. That's saying, hey, follow me, man. I 
answers, but I know the one that does. And he'll tell you what you should do, shouldn't wear. I believe in modesty. I believe in all of that. But let God begin to do We catch them, God cleans them, right? Let God do that. As you get closer to God, he'll begin to tell you what clean up your mouth. As you read the Bible, he will tell you, don't be cussing out your neighbor. That ain't good. Don't be drunk on alcohol, which leads to destruction, but be filled with the Spirit, which leads to joy, peace, and everlasting. Don't misabuse your wife, but honor your wife. Children, honor your parents before the Lord, and you'll have a long life, and it'll go well with you. We understand behind the commandment that there is a loving God. It changes the whole way you live for God. But that religion, man, I got that woman. True story, I threw a dart. Right in her tire. <laughs> Probably should not have said that story, that part. <laughs> it was an accident. <laughs> it was. It was an accident. We were throwing darts, and it happened. I threw one across Saliette Street. Why would you throw it into the traffic? Her car was parked, and it hit her tire. All the cars, it hit her tire. I think, looking back, God did that. Okay, let's finish up. Let's talk about compassion. How you look at people, though. You know, a woman, love her. She just looked at people the wrong way. Religion will make you look at people the wrong way. Jesus sat down and he ate with sinners. Could you sit down and eat with... Now, when we picture, we, we picture Jesus sitting down with, uh, you know, a liar. Maybe somebody stole something at work, like a pencil. No, no, he was sitting down with sinners. Ranch, rock, crazy sinners. He sat down with them. Why? Because he was able to look at them and say, man, these guys are blind. That's why they act that way. Some of you get shocked if you hear someone cuss. Don't... People do that to me, you know, they find out I'm a pastor. They start acting all holy. I said, what are you acting all holy for? You ain't going to act holy when, you, when I leave, and that's who God, God sees you. I don't. I'm not going to follow you around. What would you say? Did you hear him? He said this. What, you know, but we, we think so crazy in our mind about this religious thing. Be yourself, man. Let God clean you up. When God told Jonah to, to get the people saved, he didn't want them to get saved. Let's skip on to the last one here. Last thing in verse, uh, without compromise. Now, this is important, and I'm going to close with this one. Verse 11 and verse 13. Jesus says this. It sounds a little funny, but he says, when you go into a city, look to see who is worthy. And who is worthy, let your peace rest on them. Who is not worthy, let your peace come back and shake the dirt off of your feet. And move on. The word worthy there means ready. In other words, he's saying, when you go be a worker in my field, you got to look for those that are ready. And it actually, worthy actually means to be carrying a weight. It's actually what that word means. And they're ready for a trade. That's what that word, if you're really studying in the Greek, because I said, why did he say that worthy? In different translations say different things. So Jesus is saying, that there are people who are ready, and then here's the fact that we got to accept. There are some people that just aren't ready to receive Jesus. And you're going to be tempted to compromise the word. Oh, wow, let me just tell you that, you know, you can still live that crazy life and after you get saved. No, don't, don't misunderstand grace for truth. Jesus was full of grace and truth. When, if you got grace, if your grace is not leading you to holiness and truth, you don't have real grace. They go together. And you'll never find Jesus prostituting heaven for people to get saved. In other words, he didn't beg people to get saved. You'll see this next week. He didn't beg people to get saved because you'll have to beg them to stay saved. He gave the truth. He was in love. He ate with them. He hung out with them. But hear me, there's a fine line. Please get what I'm saying. There's balance. And that's where the church really misses it. We're so out of balance with everything. The church dims the lights. We think it's worldly. No, it's not. They don't say worship you in the bright light or this. your bulb's got to be 120. We just come up with these traditions of men. 
And Jesus would purposely do things just to tick off the Pharisees. He would. He would eat without washing his hands on purpose. <laughs> hey, so I don't feel bad for throwing a dart. Here's the point here. We got to understand something, guys, that not everybody will accept the gospel. And, and I hate that fact, but it is true. Not everybody's going to want Jesus. I had, um, as I close, I'll tell you this. I had little Seth uh, Sherman at my house last night, and he was wanting us to nuggle. That's snuggle. And so he come in, and I'm working on my message, and he's sitting down, and I'm thinking about this. And what are you watching? I said, I'm watching uh, National Geographic, BBC Channel, Love Animal. Best channel out there. Wow, looking at the lions. and So I just begin to say, I'm going to test him a little bit and see if what he's learning in River Kids. So I said, Seth, if you got a chance to preach downstairs tomorrow morning at River Kids, what would you say? He's five. What would you say? He said, I would tell them that Jesus came and he loves them and he died for their sins. <laughs> he's five. I said, oh, I said, how do you go to heaven? I would ask this with my girls when they were little. Parents, I hope you do this. You talk to your kids. You lean into them. If they're not worshiping in church, you need to talk to your kids. Why aren't you worshiping? I'm not going to make you, but why aren't you? Don't you, you know, you, we need to have these conversations. Uh, do, are you, how, come, how come you're not reading your Bible? How come you're kind of starting to act like that kid? Why do you even want to hang around with that kid? we got to have these conversations. Because you want to make a disciple of Christ. And not a Judas, right? Judas was there at everything. He went to all the concerts, all the camps, had the wristbands all the way down to his elbow. He did all of that. He denied Christ. And the Bible says he missed heaven. I said, Seth, how does someone go to heaven? He says, they got to ask Jesus. Okay, that's my alarm. I got to stop. <laughs> he says, you got to ask Jesus into their heart. You ask Jesus into your heart. And then here's what he said. He goes, but not everybody's going to want Jesus. He's five years old. Awesome job, by the way. And I said, that is so true. That's what Jesus is saying. Boys, I'm going to send you out. You're going to have power to put families back together. You're going to have power, and you're going to be able to help people that have been looking for something in their whole life and are struggling with addiction, and you're going to be able to give them living water. But not everybody's going to want to be thirsty. So I need you to shake the dirt off from your feet. The Jewish people, when they would re-enter a Jewish territory from a pagan land, they would dust their feet off. They called it the heathen. There's that word again. Heathen, pagan dust from their feet. In other words, they didn't want nothing of the world onto them. And they would move on to the next thing. And there's got to be a thing in our heart not tempted to compromise the gospel. You just got to do this. Leave them to the Lord and let God reach out to them. Because I will tell you this, that God never gives up on people. He's not saying give up on them. He's just saying don't compromise. If they're not opening to the word of God, pray for them. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to see him. Okay, Steve, come. One last story. I told you about a month ago that I was invited to come to the hospital and talk with a uh, senior. She was in her 90s. My aunt's aunt, I never met her. She was on her deathbed, basically, and I came and I prayed. I, I told you guys about her. I walked in and never met this lady before. She was the sweetest lady I've ever met. Wanted me to pull up a chair, grab me by my hand, just talk to me. And um, she just loved me. She even called me handsome. Handsome pastor. But she said, I've done a lot of things in my life. She said, but I must tell you, I'm afraid to die. And here's where I really got so mad. She said, there was a, a nun in here yesterday, and I asked the nun. I said, I need, what do I do when I die? I'm afraid. And the nun said, are you Catholic? Are you Catholic? She said, my family's never been to church. I don't even know what that means. I didn't know how to answer her. Tears in her eyes, 96 years old. Is that religion? I'm not knocking all of the Catholic Church. Just say, because Pentecostals can be just as bad. Were you baptized in what name? You know? And I said, well, let me tell you what Jesus said, honey. 
I said, Jesus said there's only one prerequisite for getting into heaven. One. Are you born again? She said, no, I don't understand. I said, that's okay. When Jesus told a man in John 3 about being born again, he was a teacher, a professor at a college, and he didn't understand it. So it's okay if you don't understand. Let me tell you what it is. And I again begin to give her the gospel. I said, it simply means you die to yourself. You, you repent of your sins. You ask God to forgive you of your sins. And you believe in Jesus Christ. I said, honey, do you believe Jesus was the son of God? He died on the cross 2,000 years ago for your sin, and he rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's alive today. She goes, oh, I believe. And I said, well, then you're saved. Say these words with me. I said, can I pray with you? She said, oh, you don't have to ask me to pray. And she grabbed my hands, and I prayed with her. And then we talked. I was there for an hour. Before I left, she said, I want you to pray again because I want to make sure. <laughs> I said, she's got it. She was like the thief on the cross. Remember Jesus when he was dying? He didn't look and say, hey, is that an earring in your ear? Are you using the red back hymnals? I, I, can, I can step on some toes right now, and you know I can. I'll just say this. If you talk more to your unsaved friends about politics than you do about the kingdom of God, you are out of balance as a Christian. Say that again. If you talk more to your unsaved people, more about politics the world than you do about the kingdom of God then you're out of balance it gets back to that tweet by Tony Evans as you spend more time and if that's you then don't get condemned let the Holy Spirit convict you because you may be the only person that that person will ever hear the truth from I got a call Monday that that elderly woman died and went on to be with the Lord that's why I'm telling you this story she's never set a foot in the church her whole family didn't have a funeral for her, but they said all he couldn't, she couldn't stop talking about was his old, she called me handsome Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie. She said, who's Pastor Eddie? And Carolyn said, who's, they were asking, who's Pastor Eddie? She said, I just want to thank you and thank you and thank you because I'm going to see my aunt again. And let me tell you something. Come on, stand up so, I, so I'll stop. 96 years old, that body was pretty broken. This is what happened. She did like my Uncle Chuck, my Uncle Billy, many of your loved ones, and eventually every single person listening to my voice, this is what's going to happen. You're going to breathe your last serve God for whatever reason she did in 96 years. People say, how oh, can God, you know, put people into hell? No, God doesn't put nobody into hell. We put ourselves there by rejecting Jesus Christ. God's mercy has been there for 96 years. That's God's mercy. And he sent me to the hospital, never met this woman, to give her one more chance. And she breathed her last breath on that day, Monday morning. Sweetest woman. She opened up those eyes and she saw the eternal God, the creator of heaven and earth. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo! That's what it's all about. What am I saying? That's the cause. That's why I live for him. That's why I put standards in my life, because I don't want to go back to the old Eddie. Because I, there's a cause that's greater than my little temporary thrills. And when I do go around the old world and stuff, I want to be a light. I was there just the other day, down in my old neighborhood. It broke my heart to see it. And I was there, man, just letting my light shine. Hey, man, God's got a plan for your life. He's got something better for you. Let's bow our heads, close the service out today. Wanted to go for souls today. The Lord did tell me this morning that there is someone who's away from God. That's what he said. And I said it at the 930. I'll say it again. I've already said it. If that's you and you're away from God, you can't make excuses. No more excuses. Let me say this. You can't make excuses and progress at the same time. That is so good. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You cannot make excuses and progress at the same time. There comes a time when we got to say, no more excuses, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sins. I give you my heart. give you my life. All of me. I want to be a disciple. In Jesus' name. If that's you, you're away from God. Right where you are, just lift your hand up. 
And I'm not going to have you come up today. I'm just going to have you pray wherever you are. Hands up, hands up, hands up. Don't look around. This is for you and you, God, and God. You and God. Hands up, hands up, hands up, hands up, hands up. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. You can put them down. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your spirit. If you lifted your hand and you know you're away from God, you know you're doing things you're not supposed to do. God's given you the grace to overcome it, but you still do it. You, that's just going to mess you up, man. I want you to ask God right now, your head bowed, your eyes closed, concentrate on my voice right now. I want you just to ask God to forgive you and your own my sin for letting that dark area say that. Say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for my attitude, for my sin, for letting that dark areas back into my life. Forgive me for that. I'm sorry. I'll repent right now. Forgive me, God. You might be coming to church for months and for years. If you're away from God, you need to say that right now. If you're listening to this podcast, I want you to say this. God, forgive me. Wash me clean. Make me new. I don't want to be away from you no more. I want to get near to you, God. I want to be close to you, God. I want you to be passionate about what you're passionate about, Jesus. Jesus name and now it's just a decision to stay close to him start tomorrow spending time with God spending time with God Tuesday start making some adjustments and some changes get into your life groups this summer and expect God to change your heart come ready to learn yeah we're going to have fellowship and connect groups those are awesome but you're going to sit down and you're going to ask questions about the word you're going to get in there and get discipled this summer get discipled this summer in Jesus name everyone just lift your hands let me bless you and dismiss you in Jesus name Father I send your people these are your people into the harvest field you said to pray to you oh God and you will send out laborers into your field and I pray that today in Jesus name Lord with all of our problems God let us see the problem solver that you are greater than our problems send us out into the highways and the byways into our families into all situations God you've equipped us to do it to make a difference and to bring change oh God Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.